Hello and welcome to the podcast Where Did the Rabbit Go? In this weekly podcast we celebrate curiosity, critical thinking and evidence-based skepticism. I'm your host Marco and this is show 62 for Thursday, April 1st, 2021. Good morning, dear rabbits. How are you doing? We have made it yet to another month and I'm thrilled to announce very big changes on this podcast. Where did the rabbit go is going to new places. This will not only impact on the format, but also on the content itself. You see, over a year of home office has given me a lot of time to think. And it was probably just a matter of time until I had an epiphany. It was a very liberating experience. Can you guess it? Yes, I finally found Jeebus. I found Jeebus and I let him into my heart. It was on the last weekend, when I was binge-watching a series on Netflix, just to calm down for my first day of spring break vacations, and I was eating popcorn, when suddenly I noticed that in my hand I was holding one piece of popcorn with the shape of our Lord and Savior Jeebus. Yes, dear rabbits, that piece of popcorn it's the evidence that I have been waiting for, that I had been denied for so many years of doubting and skepticism. How else would that piece of Jeebus-shaped popcorn have ended up in that bowl of delicious popcorn, if not the Lord would have placed it there himself, to show me that it is time to stop doubting and letting him guide my life. And it made me think, given this revelation, this new piece of information, should I still be teaching science? Should I still be recording a podcast about science, skepticism and critical thinking? Or should I rather praise the word of the Lord and do something worthy instead? And I decided that's what I would do. Dear Rabbits, this podcast is going to go to new places. Over spring break, I think I shall take a hiatus because your host will go on a spiritual journey. I have to discover my exact place in the universe, in this perfect creation. I have to reevaluate so many essential beliefs that I was holding. And when that is done, this podcast will go a different way. It might even involve a change of name. And I'm not sure about that. But this is probably going to be the most important of all rabbit holes and I'm going to go down all the way. This might be the last episode I'm recording from Mexico because right now I'm questioning everything. And all of it thanks to one piece of popcorn that the Lord has placed in my hands in the perfect moment when I most needed it, when I was unhappily eaten up with doubt. Isn't this just beautiful? It's perfect. And all of this, only five months and five days away from my birthday. On a day when the moon is in Sagittarius. And no, I'm not a Sagittarius, but a Virgo, which is an earth sign. And Sagittarius is a fire sign. And you see right now, here in Monterey, there have been several forest fires. Which means, yes, the earth is on fire. And I'm both in an earth sign and the moon is in a fire sign right now. It cannot be clearer than that. It must be a sign. 
and even more, my son is a Sagittarius, as well as my sister. That's not one, but two firm connections to that sign. I'm tied to Sagittarius. And the Lord chose that significant moment that the universe was holding for me to reveal himself in a delicious bowl of popcorn while watching Grey's Anatomy on my first day of vacation, on a day where I was relaxed and my mind was clear. So yes, I will make some profound changes in my life. And after the long hiatus, this podcast will tell you all about that journey in a new spiritual format. Goodbye to critical thinking and reasoning, and welcome to Blind Faith. Okay, dear rabbits, by now I'm pretty sure that there's no fooling you anymore. Of course, this episode is published on April Fool's Day, and that's exactly what this all is. A big, fat lie. I did not have such a revelation, and I will not suddenly live a spiritual life of religion and astrology, because I have been very happy just without it in my life. But the forest fires are real, and of course I hope that this soon will be over. Anyway, the podcast will not go on a hiatus, and it will not abandon critical thinking and reasoning. I just wanted to try and prepare a somewhat elaborate prank for this day, because at least this has lined up perfectly. The episode release is falling on April 1st, and it's a good day to teach a lesson about skepticism. So in this episode, I'm going to tell you the story of April Fool's Day, and what we can learn from it for being good skeptics. I hope you enjoyed this little April Fool, and did not feel offended by it. So let us now start the show. So as you all know, April 1st is a day where lots of people play little pranks to their loved ones. And also TV, radio and newspapers might slip in a fake story. And people know this, they already expect it. So most of us, when opening a newspaper, or maybe these days a website, are already curious and cautious about what to believe, and eager to spot which one is the fake article. But where did this all originate? It's not that easy to pin down, actually. Let us first take a look at a short article about this from Britannica, which I will read now. April Fool's Day in most countries is the first day of April. It received its name from the custom of playing practical jokes on this day. For example, telling friends that their shoelaces are untied, or sending them on so-called fool's errands. Although the day has been observed for centuries, its true origins are unknown and effectively unknowable. It resembles festivals such as the Hilaria of ancient Rome, held on March 25th, and the holy celebration in India, which ends on March 31st. April Fool's Day is celebrated on Thursday, April 1st this year, 2021. Some have proposed that the modern custom originated in France, officially with the Edict of Roussillon, promulgated in August 1564, in which Charles IX decreed that the new year would no longer begin on Easter, as it had been common throughout Christendom, but rather on January 1st. 
because Easter was a lunar and therefore movable date. Those who clung on the old ways were April fools. Others have suggested that the timing of the day may be related to the vernal equinox, March 21st, a time when people are fooled by sudden changes in the weather. There are variations between countries in the celebration of April Fool's Day, but all have in common an excuse to make someone play the fool. In France, for example, the fooled person is called Poisson d'Avril, April fish, perhaps in reference to a young fish and hence to one that is easily caught. It is common for French children to pin a paper fish to the backs of unsuspecting friends. In Scotland, the day is Gauki Day, for the gauk or cuckoo, a symbol of the fool and the cuckoo, which suggests that it may have been associated at one time with sexual license. On the following day, signs reading Kick Me are pinned to friends' backs. In many countries, newspapers and the other media participate, for example, with false headlines or news stories. Then let us next look at a short article from the History Channel, which gives some good Britain-based examples. April Fool's Day spread throughout Britain during the 18th century. In Scotland, the tradition became a two-day event, starting with hunting the gauk, in which people were sent on phony errands, and followed by Taily Day, which involved pranks. In modern times, people have gone to great lengths to create elaborate April Fool's Day hoaxes. Newspapers, radio and TV stations, and websites have participated in the April 1st tradition of reporting outrageous fictional claims that have fooled their audiences. In 1957, the BBC reported that Swiss farmers were experiencing a record spaghetti crop and showed footage of people harvesting noodles from trees. In 1985, Sports Illustrated writer George Plimpton tricked many readers when he ran a made-up article about a rookie pitcher named Sid Finch who could throw a fastball over 168 miles per hour. In 1992, National Public Radio ran a spot with former President Richard Nixon saying he was running for president again. Only it was an actor, not Nixon. And the segment was all an April Fool's Day prank that caught the country by surprise. In 1996, Taco Bell, the fast food restaurant chain, duped people when it announced it had agreed to purchase Philadelphia's Liberty Bell and intended to rename it the Taco Liberty Bell. In 1998, after Burger King advertised a left-handed Whopper, scores of clueless customers requested the fake sandwich. Google notoriously hosts an annual April Fool's Day prank that has included everything from telepathic search to the ability to play Pac-Man on Google Maps. For the average trickster, there's always the classic April Fool's Day prank of covering the toilet with plastic wrap or switching out sugar and salt. Okay, now something from my own experience. One webpage which I think has been brilliantly creative with April Fool's is the German Motorsport Total, a page all dedicated to Formula One and other motorsports. Every year since 2001, they write a very creative fake article on April 1st, which they later reveal in the evening to be false. And we can always, the readers, we can always play along trying to figure out which one is the fake. And there are some real jewels in there. The first one in that year, 2001, was that Ferrari, which always is racing in red cars, 
starting with the 2002 season, would race in its traditional color yellow. And yes, yellow is the color of Ferrari. Just look at the logo. Anyway, the reason they gave in the article was that in 2002, the new Toyota team would also race in red and white, which would make it too easy to confuse the two cars. And that's why Ferrari would change to paint their cars in yellow. Of course, this never happened. But the article was so well written that some other news outlets actually believed it and shared the article themselves. That's a telltale sign of how good this prank was. One of my favorites was the second prank from the year 2002. On the day prior, there was the second race of the season in Brazil, and for the second time, Colombian driver Juan Pablo Montoya was involved in a collision in the first corner of the first lap, damaging his car and on this occasion, Michael Schumacher's car. As a result, Montoya had to pit and get a new front wing, losing precious time for the second time in two races. The article wrote that the FIA, the International Automobile Federation, had declared that if Montoya would cause a collision again in one of the future races and had to pit with a damaged front wing, no mechanics would be allowed to work on the car, and Montoya would have to get out of the car and repair the wing himself. It's hilarious, but many news outlets believed this one without questioning it and shared the article just so that they later had to retract it. Motorsport Total has ever since been writing April Fool's articles for 20 years now. Some other good ones were. In 2004, for the first ever race in the desert of Bahrain, they would organize a camel race where the Formula 1 team owners would compete against each other. I would love to see that. In 2005, in order to reach a younger and bigger audience, they wrote that there was going to be a special Big Brother program with people from Formula 1. We'd also love to see that, right? In 2015, they wrote that Formula 1 would declare four races of the calendar, which would have a special status and be worth more in the championship, kind of like the Grand Slam tournaments in tennis or the Four Hills tournament in ski jumping. This article turned out to be a lie, but later on, the last race of the season did indeed give double points, in an attempt to keep the championship open until the last race. This was a huge failure and was abandoned after just one occasion. And the newest article from 2020 reported about a new racetrack, which would have the shape of the number 44 in honor of world champion Lewis Hamilton, which of course was an April Fool. Just to clear it up, Lewis Hamilton races with the number 44 in his car. So I'm desperately looking forward to this year's article, What Will the Lie Be About? So I have been following these articles since the first one, year after year, being a big Formula One fan. And I don't know, over the last years, it felt to me that it was very easy to immediately figure out which article was the April Fool. And I'm not sure what the reason is. At first I thought that the writers maybe became lazier, less creative, or it's new writers that are just not good at it. But on the other hand, maybe over the years I just became better in not being fooled. Maybe I just had enough practice and the right mindset. Which is precisely the reason why I wanted to share this here. The relationship of April 1st with being a good skeptic and a good critical thinker. You see, on this day, on April 1st, most people 
go through the day expecting to be fooled. And whenever they encounter something doubtful in the newspaper, on the internet, or in a story that someone just shared with them, they raise their skeptical eyebrow and look for any red flags. Because they want to be spared from the humiliating feeling to have fallen for a lie. And it feels really good when you actually detected the lie, doesn't it? Well, being a good skeptic means to practice precisely this every day, not just on April 1st. So the next time you find a piece of information that is too good to be true, or something just sounds off, well, regardless of the date, pretend that it's April 1st. And just take a moment. Look for any flawed argument, maybe even a logical fallacy. When presented with information, just pretend that it's April 1st every day of the year. This is a great piece of advice that you can find in George Rapp's TED Talk, Embracing Doubt is the title. Look for it on YouTube. Highly recommend it. So pretend it's April 1st every day of the year. Pretend that today people are trying to fool you. Not with everything, but just pretend that there will be one piece of information today that's out there to get you, to play a prank on you, and try to figure out what it is. Of course, this can also mean that you dismiss some true information because you are seeing a red flag somewhere. Absolutely. But with the time and with practice, you will become more and more efficient. And those errors will happen less and less every time. And by the way, our game, Find the Fake, which we will play in a minute, is just very good weekly training in that. One last thing. April 1st does not exist everywhere in this way. I learned this the hard way. I once published an April Fool on Facebook when already living here in Mexico. It was about moving to Australia. And I was surprised that nobody seemed to question it. Everyone just believed it. Until I learned that here in Mexico, people don't go through the day on April 1st with the expectation of being fooled because that's on a different date here. In Mexico, instead, we have Dia de los Inocentes on December 28th. And of course, it's a Catholic tradition in such a highly Catholic country. It's supposed to originate with the killing that King Herodes ordered when he heard about the birth of Jesus, and he ordered the killing of all toddlers of Bethlehem. This was mixed with the Dia de los Locos, a day where in the name of Virgin Mary, people would play pranks on each other. And boy, they overdo it here. On December 28th, I found on one sports website, they don't just publish one fake article, but all their articles that they are fake. Which, in my humble opinion, takes the fun away a little bit in trying to figure out which article is trying to fool you. Because you already know that they are all going to be fake. Anyway, let us now put this into practice and play Find the Fake. Alright, here are three news items, two real and one fake, and you are challenged to figure out which one is the fake, as you would just do it every year on April 1st. So let's see. You can play along, remember I randomized the order of these items. 
Item 1, a gene defect, may make rabbits do handstands instead of hop. Item number 2, astronomers determined the habitable zone of our galaxy and our solar system is not in it. Item number 3, scientists found that a strong coffee could help you lose fat. You may pause if you still want to play along, but let's now reveal them in order. So number 1, a gene defect may make rabbits do handstands instead of hop. This one is true. And this article was on many different outlets. And um, I think I'm going to share the article in the show notes because there's a really cool picture of rabbits doing a handstand. And um, yeah, so I found this on sciencenews.org by Aaron Garcia de Jesus, uh, published on March 25th. Um, yeah, scientists were trying to find out why these rabbits perform this handstand. And... Um, yeah, when sequencing the gene, they found out that there is a genetic reason for that, a defective gene. And it's just too cute to look at. And remember, uh, we have a little bunny here in our house. And of course, the name of this podcast. So we have a rabbit related news item. And it's a really cool one. Let's move on to item number two. Astronomers determined the habitable zone of our galaxy and our solar system is not in it. Maybe I made it too easy this week because this one is the fake. I got this from lifescience.com, uh, written by Mara Johnson Grow on March 30th. And uh, yeah, of course, it's the opposite. They found that our solar system is right in it. The title of uh, the article is Astronomers Find the Safest Place to Live in the Milky Way. So there are many factors, of course, uh, where in the galaxy could be a habitable zone. It cannot be too far out, cannot be too close to the galactic center. So there has to be a density to the stars. Um, the star formation must be within certain boundaries. Too many new stars means too many uh, supernovae. Uh, not enough star formation might also not be good. Um, density of star population is important. Uh, what what kind of stars, how, how hot or cold they are, all this plays into it. And this gives us just like with the solar system, a band of like a minimal and a maximum distance to the galactic center. And yes, our solar system is within that band that we would call the Goldilocks zone. Which of course means that the scientists found that a strong coffee could help you lose fat. That one is true. I found this one on sciencefocus.com, written by Ian Taylor on March 24th. And uh, he writes... More fuel for your caffeine habit. A new study shows that drinking coffee 30 minutes before a workout can significantly improve the amount of fat your body burns as you exercise. Oh, I should surely try that. Researchers at the University of Granada in Spain found that 3 milligrams per kilogram of caffeine, roughly the equivalent of an eyeball-shaking espresso, increased the oxidation or burning of fat during exercise. In a small study of 15 men, they also found that the effects were stronger in the afternoon than they were in the morning. Okay, so 15 men, of course, that's not much. And um, yeah, men, we also need to study this. And women in different age groups, of course. And yeah, not just with a sample size of 15. But sure, this was a small study. But now there's an incentive for making more and bigger studies. Anyway, I will try this out. Why not? 
So, dear rabbit, did I fool you? Probably not this week, it was too easy. I hope you had a good time playing this, and you're also looking forward to the possible April Fools that you're going to encounter on this day. Remember to treat every day like it's April Fool's Day, especially when you're looking at news, quote-unquote news, shared on social media or in WhatsApp groups. What do you say, since there's still some time left, let's do a segment of five fascinating factoids. Alright, today it's all about daylight savings time, because it's just that time of the year where the change of time becomes a thing. So number one, daylight savings time is not done everywhere. In the United States, for example, the states of Hawaii and Arizona do not forward their clocks one hour for summer. In Mexico, the state of Sonora is not doing it. In Europe, Russia, Iceland and Belarus are not changing their clocks. In Australia, Queensland and the Northern Territory don't do it. The continents of South America and Africa almost entirely don't change their clocks, as well as big parts of Asia. In general, it seems to not make any sense the closer you get to the equator, because day and night length don't vary that much throughout the year. Number two. Among those places that do use daylight savings time, the dates vary too. The United States start on the second Sunday of March and go all the way to the first Sunday of November. In Europe, it's from the last Sunday of March to the last Sunday of October. And here in Mexico, we also go until the last Sunday of October, like Europe, but we yet have to forward our clocks, this Sunday to be precise, the first Sunday of April. This means that there are some weeks where the time zones jump at the US-Mexican border. Actually, Mexican towns very close to the border also follow the US schedule, as well as US-American companies here in Monterey. During those few weeks of having different time zones, this means that some people here in Monterey have to follow a different time zone than they're actually living in. Number three, it turns out people tend to have more heart attacks on the Monday following the spring forward switch to daylight savings time. Researchers reporting in 2014 in the journal Open Heart found that heart attacks increased 24% on that Monday compared with the daily average number for the weeks surrounding the start of daylight savings time. And a study published in 2009 in the Journal of Applied Psychology showed that during the week following the spring forward into daylight savings time, mine workers got 40 minutes less sleep and had 5.7% more workplace injuries than they did during any other days of the year. So there are impacts on health. Uh, number four, before the Uniform Time Act was passed in the United States, there was a period in which any place could or could not observe daylight savings time, leading to chaos. For instance, if one took a 35-mile bus ride from Moundsville, West Virginia, to Steubenville, Ohio, they would pass through no fewer than seven time changes. And at some point, the Twin Cities Minneapolis and St. Paul were on different clocks. And number five, every year there is a strong debate if we still need daylight savings time. The supposed benefit that it would help save electricity in summer using that extra hour of daylight in the evenings 
is really just minimal. But the decision what to do is not that easy, because we are creatures of habit. Let's use the example of my hometown, Siegen in Germany. On summer solstice, the longest day of the year, on June 21st, sunrise already happens as early as 5.14 in the morning. And if we'd dropped daylight savings time and always stayed on winter time, then the sun would rise as early as 4.14, with twilight beginning way earlier than 4 a.m. That is something we'd have to get used to. So why not use summertime all year long? Well, that's the other extreme on winter solstice, the shortest day of the year on December 21st. The sun currently rises at 8.28 using winter time in Siegen in my hometown. If we'd stick to summertime, that would mean a sunrise at 9.28. That's also something to get used to. So no matter what we do, the debate will continue every six months. I must say personally, I prefer summertime. I enjoy the long daylight in summer and personally I would miss it. But getting that hour of sleep taken away this coming Sunday is not easy, sure. Good thing schools are in the middle of spring break this time. And we can look forward to get that extra hour of sleep back in October. Dear rabbits, this is all for today's episode. I hope you enjoyed it. Thank you so much for taking your time and listening. If you like the show and you want to support me, there are easy and painless ways, which are all for free. Rate and review the show on iTunes and Spotify. Subscribe to the podcast on your favorite podcasting platform. Share it with your friends on social media. Follow me on Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok. You can find all the links in the show notes. Every little bit helps. If you want to be on the show or know someone that you'd like to be a guest, please drop me a note on social media. Stay safe and stay curious. And until next Thursday, I am Marco and this has been Where Did the Rabbit Go?